Thank you for listening to the teaching podcast of Muncie First Church. If you would like to know more about us, go to MuncieFirstChurch.com. Or if you would like to support a ministry, go to the giving page, MuncieFirstChurch.com slash give. Well, let's jump into the teaching from this last week. Praise the Lord for being here with us today. and Just that he spoke into our hearts in such a powerful way this morning. We declare that those things that we sang are true. And uh, man, just praise the Lord for being so awesome this morning. Thank you for being here again. We're glad that you're here. If you have your Bibles and want to turn to John chapter 5. I'm going to bring that down here. That's all right. I can do it. If you want to turn to John chapter 5, verse 39 through 40, we're going to look at that and several other scriptures this morning. And, and, uh, but man, I just want to continue to give praise to the Lord. I just feel His presence here this morning in such a real way. And uh, that's what we're longing for, the presence of the Lord every day, not just here at church and not just on the occasion that we uh, get together, but, but we want His presence all the time. John 5, 39 through 40 says this. It says, you diligently study the scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. These are the scriptures you testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. I'm going to talk about that uh, just a little bit here. And I want to try to use it to, I think, encourage you and, and to lift you up and to move you forward in your walk with Christ. Have you ever done anything in your life and uh, you're doing it and it's a good thing? You're doing a good thing. But you're doing it for the wrong reasons. Anybody here ever do that before? You know, maybe, maybe it's like this. Maybe you give a lot of money at church. That's a good thing, right? Trent's not in here right now, but it's a good thing. He told me so. And so, you know, giving a lot of money is a good thing. But maybe you're doing it to impress people or just to get a tax break or, or just because you think you should um, when really what you're supposed to do is give it because you're motivated by love, by the love of Jesus Christ for you and by your love for him. Or, or maybe, you, uh, maybe you are into running, and you run all the time. You're out there running and running and running and working out, and that's a good thing, but maybe you're doing it to impress someone, not really to get healthy, and really that's the wrong reason to impress somebody. Getting healthy would be the right reason. Or maybe, maybe you give your kids lots of stuff. That can be a good thing, but you're doing it so they'll like you, and really you shouldn't have to give your kids stuff to make them like you. That, that just seems wrong. Or maybe you're reading the scriptures a lot, which is a good thing, but you're reading them to impress people or trying to get God to like you and do what you want. Reading the scriptures is a good thing, but that isn't a good reason. I want to talk about that last one just a little bit today. Have you ever really considered what the goal of reading the scripture is in your life? You need to think about that for a moment. What is the goal of reading the scriptures and studying the scriptures? Why why would we even read and study a 2,000-year-old book? You know, because the last, the last sentence written in the Bible was written 2,000 plus years ago, probably, or right around 2,000 years ago. It's a long time ago. And what did they have to say to me back then that, that, that would, you know, living in this century, what did someone who lived way back then have to say to me? You know, and that's kind of what a lot of people are asking. And so a lot of times the scriptures get kind of set aside. Well, you know, they're old. They don't really apply to my life. Uh, I read the scripture all the time. And I think that a lot of people, the goal of reading scripture is to be able to say, well, I read the scriptures today. Or for others, I would say they are looking for a quick answer to some questions that they might have in their life. And so they say, well, you know, maybe I can find out what I need to find out in the Bible today. 
Or maybe they read it to make God happy. I think there's a lot of people who walk around and think that God is unhappy with them and doesn't like them as much if they don't read the Scripture. And I just want to tell you right now that that is not true. God loves you whether you ever open that Bible up or not. That love of God is not contingent upon your reading the Scriptures. But there's so much more to reading and studying the Scripture than just doing it so you can check it off your list. Last week we talked about, and I talked to you about intimacy, or really living day by day, or moment by moment in the presence of God. I I just can't begin to emphasize to you enough how important it is that we live day by day, moment by moment, in the presence of God. I love the feeling, I love the, the experience that we just had this morning. Man, when we were singing that, and when we were talking about, is anyone worthy? I mean, I, I just about, you know, ready to jump up and, and run around the church a while. I mean, that was just emotionally, it just hit me, and the presence of God just seemed so real, and then we go into, you know, uh, what a wonderful name it is, and I, I'm just going, man, you know, I, it just left me, but, but it's not those moments aren't reserved for church. That's supposed to be going on in your life on a regular basis. I, you know, I understand you don't have to walk around singing those songs. Of, you know, you got to work and you know, you got to do your work at bank or at the factory or wherever you're working at, but, but at the hospital, whatever. But, you know, but our hearts should be singing those praises all the time. That should be going on. Jesus Christ is real in our lives. Seeking the presence is normal for all of us. So the core value, one of the core values that, and I'm looking at the cores right now, one of our core values is living, living to live in his presence. I, I want to be in his presence all the time. I don't ever want to have a day when I don't have the presence of the Lord in my midst. You know, if, if I'm, I'm in a place where the presence of God isn't, then I'm in trouble. So I, I want to live every day in his presence. I love, I, I want to daily, moment by moment, experience the presence of my Father God, my Papa God. I've come to believe that this should be the main goal of my life, that that my main goal should not be even getting to heaven, but my main goal should be I want to live in the presence of God right now, all the time, where I can hear Him and do what He tells me to do, and living in the presence of God where I can be in fellowship and communion all the time with Him. I I read this statement this week, and I think it's relevant to all of us today, and let me just read it for you. It says, until Jesus becomes the center of our devotion, He's just another distraction. But when Jesus becomes central in and to our life, the story of the world fades into the background. When we seek his kingdom and his righteousness, we happily discover how the world is supposed to work. Until then, faith is something we salute. Church is a place to go on Sunday. And life consists in doing everything in our power to make our agenda work. It is us building our own little kingdoms and generally justifying whatever seems right in our own eyes. And that's a guy named J.D. Walton. I, I thought, man, that, that's so real because that's the way so many of us live our lives. Um, faith is something we salute. I, I don't want it to be that way. I want us to come to the place where our faith, where, where living in the presence of God is, is what we do. And everything else we have to do, we do, but we live to be in the presence of Jesus Christ. So for me, the goal is that I always seek to continually live in the presence, the manifest presence of God. I always want his presence. I want him to be so real on me that when I walk into this church, when I walk into Walmart, that people sense the presence of God on me, that they know that I'm different, not because I wear funny clothes or because I cut my hair different or because whatever, but they know I'm different because there's just the presence of God on me. And I've met people like that in my life. So the question might be for me today that I was thinking about is this, how do we ever get into the presence of God in that way? 
And I believe that's the core value, that, and the next core value the church is supposed to have. And God's Word transforms us. The Word of God transforms us. I, I believe that. Anybody here believe that today? The Word of God is transforming in our lives. I, I know that when we're saved that the Holy Spirit comes to live in us. I'm, I went to seminary and I know the theology and I can explain the theology of that. I know that when you're saved that that that, that, that point in time the holy spirit comes to live inside each one of us when we're born again and we are continually in his presence from that moment on i understand that but i'm not talking about just that where the holy spirit comes to live in me i want to talk about the times and the place where the holy spirit not only lives in me but manifests himself by doing things through me by using me by operating out of me the presence of God where he moves and speaks and we know that he's here and real and discernible. How do we enter into that kind of the presence of God? And I know this, I know that we don't do that just by opening the doors of the church because I open the doors of the church every day almost of the week and it's not necessarily the presence of the Lord here. And I've said that before. Sometimes it's the presence of somebody who's been here ahead of me and I can smell their perfume or, or whatever it might be. I come to... Uh, meet with other believers and sometimes I sense the presence of God and sometimes not I, that doesn't mean they're not a believer doesn't mean they're not going to heaven it just means that maybe they aren't living in that full presence of God see I believe that the presence of God is entered into and experienced through prayer I think that's the first thing and that's why we pray on Wednesday nights. That's why we get together and we pray and we pray and we're going to continue to do that. And I pray and I hope that, that a lot of you start catching on to that and that you get over here. It doesn't have to take that much time out of your life, but it is a time that you need to be here where we just seek the presence of God. I don't know how we live in our lives without the presence of God. And when we are uh, going 100 miles an hour, we need that. And we pray for all of you. Don't get me wrong. And we'll continue to do that. But I just believe that we need to be praying. I think that an intentional desire in my life to, to desire something, to desire and hunger for the presence of the Lord is essential. I, you know, I desire for a lot of things in my life over the years. I've desired for, uh, you know, as you all well know, I, I stood up here and said it many times, I desire for a Harley Davidson, you know, and I got that, you know, and I, I desire for uh, maybe someone else desires for a uh, you know, a, a vacation home or, or whatever it might be. Maybe they get it, maybe they don't. But, but the point is, is we desire for certain things. And I think that we should have an intentional hunger and desire for the presence of the Lord. That should become part of it. That should be real in our lives if we're Christians, if we're believers. If, if Jesus Christ is our goal, then we should have a hunger for him. I don't know how in the world we're going to spend eternity with him if we don't hunger and thirst for him now. Um, we should hunger and be obedient to the voice of God. Um, staying connected to the vine, that's part of how you come to enter into the presence. John 15, staying connected to him, hungering for him and thirsting for him so much so that I, I hang on to him. I remember when I was a, a little kid, not very big at all, I don't know how old I was, but I was real small, and my mom uh, was going downtown and she had my older sister and me I don't know if it was my next sister that was in the stroller or if it was the next one. We were all pretty young and all pretty close to the same age, so I don't know. But I know we were downtown Anderson, and she said to me as we got out of the car and got the stroller out, she got the babysit, and she said, you hang on to the stroller. If you let go, I'll never find you. You'll be lost forever. Good, good parenting. You know, fear tactics, they always work. 
And so I grabbed hold of that stroller, and I'm going down, and she's walking, and I'm as fast as I can go. And I tripped, and I fell down. And I'm holding on to that stroller because I don't want to be lost. And she drugged me about halfway through Anderson before she realized that it wasn't just an old stroller that wasn't easy to push. And I, you know, tore the toes off my shoes, but I didn't let go because I wasn't going to be lost. And that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. You got to stay connected. I got a hunger and thirst for God that way. He's got to be everything. He's got to be so desperate to be with him. See, I've come to believe most often above, of all the above, um, that the frequent studying and reading of the Word is the most important part of that. Well, I mean, not the most important, but one of the most important parts of that as well. Frequent studying and meditating on the Word of God. Not just to read it, but to hear what God's saying to me. Because that's how He communicates to me. It's kind of like going home. I have to frequently sit down, shut my mouth, and listen so that Darcy can speak. Because if I don't, I'm not really communicating because she communicates with words to me. It's her way. This is how God speaks to me. The goal of Scripture is not to know it. I mean, it's a good thing to know Scripture. And I'm glad some of you can just chapter and verse it everywhere. You know, that's awesome. That, you know, I, I love that when I hear people do that. But that alone is not enough. It's a good thing, but it's not enough. It's, it, it's, it's a good thing to be able to quote it. I'm glad there's a lot of you who have it memorized, but that's not the goal of Scripture so that you can quote it. Walking around quoting Scripture, that, that's not, that doesn't make you Christian. It just makes you a person who's memorized Scripture. The goal of Scripture is to hear God speak through it to us and into our situation right here, right now, and I believe that's what he wants to do. Really, the goal of Scripture is to lead us into the manifest presence, the real presence of God, so that he begins to live out of us. See, one of the problems is that if we don't know the Scripture, and if we're not really studying it and meditating on it and letting it take in uh, resonance in our heart and really change us and make us who we're supposed to be, then he's never going to be flowing out of us. Knowledge isn't the goal. You know, if knowledge was the goal, then seminary would be a place filled with the Holy Spirit. And I can tell you for a fact, having been there, there were times when I did not sense the Holy Spirit. I sensed a lot of knowledge, but not the Holy Spirit. I know that might disappoint you a little bit, but it's knowledge. It's a place of learning. And there was times when it wasn't always filled with the presence of God. This goal of Scripture is to guide and lead us into the presence of God. And by being in His presence, then we are transformed into His image. Let me show you something. In the Old Testament, the Jewish leaders studied and memorized the Scripture with great diligence. You know, Jesus probably had most of the Old Testament memorized because most all the Jewish men had to do that. That's kind of one of the things they had to do. So Jesus had that memorized. The Jewish people had come to believe that if you did not comprehend the words of the Old Testament text, uh, that, that you were cursed. You know, that the Old Testament text, by, by reading that, you would be saved. Just by studying it, it saved you. It, it, not, not what it meant, not what it did, just, just the actual studying of it they had come to believe would save you. The Pharisees in Jesus' day had a strong grasp of the knowledge of Scripture. They, they understood Scripture really well, but somehow they had mostly missed the point of it. Almost completely, in fact. The, the Old Testament scholars failed to grasp that the studying of the Scripture was for the purpose of knowing and loving and allowing God to speak into them so that they could allow the Spirit of God to speak through them. They had failed to understand that the whole purpose of the law and the Scripture was to make a way for God to intersect and to reconnect 
with his people here, his creation on earth. I want to just remind you of something real quickly and briefly, that the earth and all of its vastness and immenseness was created as the temple of God. God created this earth for himself so that he could live with us on this earth. He, he intended to be here on earth with us throughout eternity. That was the whole goal. That was his purpose. But when we sinned, we broke off that purpose because we destroyed the perfection of earth and God cannot be where sin is. And so God from that point on has been working to create space, a place where he intersects with mankind, where he, continue, where he comes back to and, and reconnects with us. So he created us as mankind to dwell with him the Old Testament was inspired and given to us to remind us of who God is, what God did, who we are, how we got here, and what the purpose of our life is. And the law was not meant to be something we obeyed to the letter. It never was. Completely misunderstood. The law, what was the law given for? To remind us of our sin, of our brokenness. It was to remind us that we're not perfect and there was a problem and that God had a solution for it. It was supposed to remind us, not so that we could try to live it out perfectly so that we could be with God you cannot do that sin has broken you but the Old Testament scholars they took it they memorized it they made new laws they set standards to be kept if you were going to be holy this is what it would look like and the law became their God the law became the purpose of their lives not the pointer to God and by the time Jesus was born there were more than 600 laws that were to be kept and no one was really keeping them and no one really could. They were reading the Old Testament Scripture to discuss the laws. They were reading the Old Testament Scriptures and God was the first thing from their mind. And it kind of reminds me of some of how we handle the Scriptures today. Jesus enters the picture as the sacrifice for sin to take away the sin of the world. He came to fulfill, to complete the law, to finish the law so that we could enter into relationship with God, so we could be in His presence. He came to make it perfect, to, to finish it off so we could know God, so we could fully experience His manifest, clear, and real presence. The Gospels, the letters, all the New Testament writings were given to us for one purpose, so that we could know God and experience His presence. That's it. They're to teach us what God's love looks like. They're to teach us what grace looks like. To show us the love that's been given to us and, and given to us to be lived out by us. I want to tell you something right now. I want to set you free. We sang the song, when, you know, when, when God sets you free, you're free indeed. We sang that this morning. I want to suggest to you something right now. And this, is, this may be revolutionary to you. The New Testament is not a rule book. I should have been just a big old giant amen right there. The New Testament is not a rule book at all. It's not. I hear people say to me stuff like, well, how come the things that were sin back then aren't sin now? I'm going to tell you something. You misunderstood some stuff. But the New Testament was not given to us as a rule book. It just was never meant to be that. It's a love letter to you. It's a love letter to you and me. There's no magic in it. We don't say passages because it brings good luck. We read it, we study it, not just to memorize it, but so that we can encounter the living God and enter into His presence. 2 Timothy chapter 3 said this, but as for you, continue in what you've learned and have become convinced of because you know that 
from those whom you have learned it, and how from infancy you've known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus. All scriptures God breathes, useful, useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training. And I do believe that. I believe that that's what it's for, but it's a love letter to us. It's a guide. It's a, it steers us, but it, it's not a rule book. James chapter 1, do not merely listen to the world, word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do it, what is, do what it says is like a man who looks at his mirror, face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he's heard but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. See, I really think a lot of church folks are reading the scripture like the Old Testament scholars did, to be able to say, hey, I know the scriptures. I don't care if you have the whole thing memorized. If you're not letting it change you, it's not going to do you any good. You're going to burn up with you because you missed the point. If you're reading the New Testament to try to find out what to do and not to do as far as rules are concerned, you've missed the point. You've missed it completely. Or if you're reading the Bible to be able to say, hey, God owes me because I got busy and I read through the Bible this year and I've, I've looked at the scriptures and, and I think God needs to love me better now because I've done that. You've missed the point. From infancy, he said, you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. So first of all, you need to read and know the scripture, not because it saves us by reading it. You can read the scripture, memorize it, and never get saved. The scripture doesn't save you. Jesus Christ saves you. Keep that in mind. So many people have made the scripture their God now. He's not our God. Anytime you hear somebody saying, well, I was saved because, you know, the scripture saves me. It's not saving you. Jesus saves you. But because it opens our hearts and our minds and gives us knowledge and more, most importantly gives us through the Holy Spirit the faith we need to be saved. You know what happens when I read the scripture? My faith goes, starts to grow. Faith is an important part of our of our walk and, and it's not going to happen if you're not reading the scriptures if you haven't dusted off your bible and you're sitting here right now saying well i just really struggle i don't know get busy and read the bible then talk to me about the other parts okay but right now start with getting back in the scripture secondly we read the scripture to come into the presence of god we come to an understanding of what jesus did not uh, did not just intellectually but we come to believe in our hearts in the real person of Jesus. As I read the scripture, the real person of Jesus comes alive off the pages to me. We come to believe in Jesus as we live and as we soak in the scripture. The, real, the reality is, is that a lot of people struggle with unbelief and skepticism. That is a big problem these days. Unbelief and skepticism. I've struggled with some of that in my own life, so I understand it. But here's the deal. Faith comes by hearing, reading, soaking, and studying the scriptures until something inside of you knows that you know and that you don't just say you know, but you really do know. It takes root in us and begins to grow up in us. Third, we need to read the scripture and meditate and love it because it reminds us of who God is and what he's done for us. When I read the scriptures, I'm reminded that God is still working and moving in the mess that I call the world. See, if I am not reading the scripture and I'm just looking at the mess that we call this world and all I look at is Fox News and CNN News and everything else, I go, wow, there's no hope out there. But I'm reading those things in light of what the scripture says and I go, wow, God is working and it's getting ready to happen. He is moving and this is going to be awesome. He's still in charge. 
He still has a plan. I believe that today. And we need to read the scripture because through it, God speaks to us clearly. Wednesday morning, I got up, and I'll be honest with you, I went through my ritual of getting my day started. I went to my room, sat down at my desk, and I got to tell you the truth, Tuesday had been a really rotten day. It had just been tough. Anybody ever have bad days beside me? You know, a couple of you, oh, one, two, uh, just the rest of you. Man, I'd like to live with you because, man, that's awesome. It had been a tough day, struggling, almost on the verge of a depression feeling. I don't get depressed like that normally, but it was just a struggle day. Just nothing seemed right about the world. And I wasn't feeling it on Wednesday when I got up either. But I have this ritual that I follow, and so I went in on my, because of that, and I, and I, and I followed it. I began reading, and I began inviting the Holy Spirit to, to just lead me. And I, I started off as I always do. I read through a couple of Psalms, and then I went over into the Proverbs and read a chapter out of the Proverbs, and then I flipped over to the Isaiah passages that I've been reading, and just reading what God was trying to say to me through that and trying to hear what he had to say. I, I read through the book of Mark a little bit, uh, the Gospel of Mark, and that's where I've been reading, and, and, and I have a book that I use to guide me in that reading, and, and I read through that. And then I read over in Ephesians, chapter 3. Now, I've read this passage countless times before, but as I begin to read it, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, and then 14 through 20, let, let me just read it to you, and then I want to tell you something about what happened. This is why I, Paul, am in jail for Christ. Having taken up the cause of you outsiders so-called, I take it that you're familiar with the part I was given in God's plan for including everybody. I got the inside story on this from God himself as I just wrote you in brief. And as you read over what I've written to you, you'll be able to see for yourselves into the mystery of Christ. None of our ancestors understood this. Only in our time has it been made clear by God's Spirit through his holy apostles and prophets of this new order. The mystery is, is that people who have never heard of God and those who have heard of him all their lives what I've been calling outsiders and insiders stand on the same ground before God. They get the same offer, same help, same promises in Christ Jesus. The message is accessible and welcome to, welcoming to everybody across the board. And my response, verse 14, is to get down on my knees before the Father. This magnificent Father who parcels out all heaven and earth. And I ask Him to strengthen you by His Spirit, not a brute strength, but a glorious inner strength, that Christ will live in you. As you open the door and invite him in, and I ask that with both feet planted firmly on love, you'll be able to take in with all Christians the extravagant dimensions of God's love. That you'll reach out and experience the breath, test its length, plumb the depths, rise to the heights, to live full lives, full in the fullness of God. God can do anything, you know, far more than you ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working with us, his spirit freely and gently deeply and gently within us. And as I began to read that, it came alive. It was like something jumped off the page and I was there. And I began to hear the Holy Spirit speak to me. I heard Paul begin to explain his life's purpose. He began to tell me why he was in jail. He was in jail because of Jesus and it was okay. And he shared that thought with me. And then he, a good Jewish Pharisee, had taken up the cause of Christ to redeem us Gentile outsiders. That's me. I'm a Gentile, and I'm an outsider. And he reminded me of the mystery that people who had never heard of God and those who had heard of him all their lives, what we'd been calling outsiders and insiders, are standing on the same ground before God. They get the same offer, same help, same promises in Christ. The message is accessible and welcoming to everyone across the board. And my heart began to hear a little more, and I began to move in closer. I wanted it all. I wanted to hear it all.
And Paul went on and he began to speak through this word that I had laying in front of me. And his response to the grace and love of Jesus was, he said, to go down on his knees and pray. This magnificent Father who parcels out all heaven and earth, I pray, I ask him to strengthen you by his spirit. Not a brute strength, but a glorious inner strength. That Christ will live in you as you open the doors and invite him in. And I ask him that with both feet planted firmly on love, you'll be able to take in with all Christians the extravagant dimensions of Christ's love. Think about those words. Reach out, experience the breath, test its length, plumb the depths, rise to the heights, live full lives, full in the fullness of God, and something began to happen again within me. And I felt the love, and I felt the compassion of Jesus begin to sweep over me, both his love for me and his compassion for me. And then I felt his love, the love that he had, and I began to love, and I began to have compassion on people that I struggle with. Something began to happen in me. And I felt the heart of Jesus begin to beat in my soul. And I'll tell you what, you can't just sit there at that moment. I began to praise the Lord for what he had done. I was confident of Jesus' love for me. A confidence like I have not felt in a very long time began to rise up in me. And I began to plumb the depths of Christ's love. I began to search and say, how deep does it go, Jesus? And he began to show me. And then he said, look at this. And he said, how high does it go? And he began to show me. And then I said, well, how far does it go? And he began to show me that too. And I felt so loved and overwhelmed and so cared for. It was amazing. And I began to hear the Holy Spirit say these words to me. No matter what. He says, if you fail or if you're successful, if you're good or if you mess up, if you please Darcy or if you disappoint her, if your message is awesome this Sunday or if it's a dud, the Holy Spirit said to me, I'm your dad, I'm your papa, I'm your God, and I will love you just as much. No change, no difference. And you'll never fully comprehend it. So spend your life looking at it and digging through it and seeing how high you can go and how low you can go and how far this way and how far that way and just encompassing love. Just live in it. And I went to my knees in that room and I worshiped the Lord that day because His presence was so real. Just Him and I. Didn't have a band playing. There was no music in the room, nothing. It was just him and I. And it was sweet. And I felt his healing hand on my soul. And all that stuff that had been going on just kind of went away. And I felt brand new again. I felt like I was brand new. Like something had happened. And I feel loved. Whether you like what I'm saying or not, whether you think it's good, whether... Anything ever happens good again in my life, it doesn't matter. I feel loved. I feel the love of Jesus. And it's more than a feeling, it's reality. My Father loves me. He loves me. I know it because I took the time to sit and read and wait and enter into His presence where He could speak to me through His Word. That's what it's about. It's not a hurry through it so I can get it done and check it off the list. It's got to take time and hear Him. It doesn't happen like that every morning. Some mornings I get done and I say, thank you, Lord, for what I've read. I know that it'll not return void, you promised. And I go on my way and throughout the day, he reminds me of something I've read or throughout the week, he'll pat me on the back and say, remember, 
I believe with all my heart that God's Word is transforming. It's transforming. And I believe with all my heart that, that there's very few of us sitting here today that don't need some transformation in our lives right now. We're going through some things. We're dealing with some issues. We've got some stuff going on. And man, we may be entirely successful and good things happening. That's not what I'm talking about. But we still need some transforming. We need some love in our lives. We need to know we're loved. And we need to have the love that we need so we can love some other people. Amen? It's through the Word I came to understand that in God's love for me. I can tell you I love the Word of God. I do. I'm thankful I've come to learn it. And I've spent a lot of time studying it. And I'm thankful that I know the Word and that I can give you some direction from it. But i got to tell you, it wasn't through the knowledge of the Word that I met Jesus Christ. As much as it's been helpful to me to know it and to study it, and as much as I believe that God wants us to do that, I did not learn it through the knowledge. I met Jesus when I heard the Word, and the Holy Spirit resonated in my heart. I'm glad I have some knowledge to help tell others, but the reality is I'm glad that God used the message of the Word to speak to my heart. That He just spoke to me and said, Mark, you're one of mine. You needn't strive and struggle so hard. You need to just rest and accept me. Let me ask you this. Is God speaking to you personally through His Word? How long has it been since you heard Him speak to you through the Word? Because, you know, a lot of people are saying, well, I just don't get anything out of church anymore. I don't hear God. As I said last week, this is dessert, by the way. This isn't where you're going to get your meat. You do that on your own, in the Word, by yourself, in a place where you're listening to Him. And how long has it been since you heard Him speak to you? And is that because you're not taking the time to sit down and hear from Him? And I know you're busy. I get that. But you know what? God has a way of redeeming those moments we give to Him. Do you hear His voice when you read? Or is it merely an intellectual exercise? Have you allowed it to become a love letter to you? Or do you only hear about the do's and the don'ts? The rules that are in there. Well, I don't do this and I don't do that. And my dad used to do that. It drove me crazy. I could never get him to understand. He was raised in that legalistic thing where it said, you know, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. And he said, if that makes me a Christian, it doesn't make you a Christian. It just makes you Frustrated mostly. You don't think I'm right. Come talk to me. I'll help you with that. I'm so convinced that Papa loves you so much and that he wants to speak softly and tenderly to you. And I know some of you guys, especially you're sitting there going, I'm a man. I don't need anybody speaking softly. And t- I, I'm, I'm telling you right now, I'm, I'm as tough as anybody. I camped out in the cold this week, so don't even be talking to me, man. You know? 42 degrees, and I was sleeping outside in the sleeping bag, so I'm a tough guy, but I need to be spoken softly and tenderly to. Sometimes I just really need to be spoken love to me. Sometimes I don't feel very loved. Sometimes I feel used. Sometimes I feel beat up. Sometimes I feel like no one understands. And I don't think sometimes I can go tell my guy friends that because they go, what is wrong with you? But I can always tell Jesus. And he speaks softly and tenderly to me because he loves me. And I believe he wants to be with you so much that he will cleanse your heart for the sole purpose of one reason, living in you and being with you. That's how much he loves you. He just wants to be with you. And he wants to use the word to remind you of his love, compassion, and care for you. The word is not a rule book. 
It's a love letter. And he wants his love letter to transform you. Has it? That's the question. Nathan's going to come up. We're just going to sing to worship today and end this with the worship. I, I'm not sure this has a, a place to say, hey, you need to come up. You know, you're always welcome to come to the altar. If you've got a problem you're dealing with, if you need to be saved today, if you need to know Jesus Christ and you haven't met him, I would love that privilege of, of leading you to him. But I know one thing. I know that God wants to speak to you. And we're going to worship him. And if he's speaking to your heart, would you just speak back to him and say yes? If you want me to meet with you sometime, I'll meet with you. Not me, Jesus. Say that to him. I'll meet with you, Jesus. If you want to meet with me, I'll meet with you. If you want to speak to my heart, speak softly and tender to me, I would love to have you come and do that over me. I don't want you to go home and say, okay, 5.15 tomorrow, I'm getting up, I'm going to read my Bible, and that's just going to... Don't do it that way. Just say, I'm going to start letting God speak to me. I'm going to spend some time. I'm going to hear what he has to say. Don't say, I've got five minutes. You're going to, you know, if you have five minutes to read, that's okay, but you know what? So what? Take that five minutes, but find a place to just hear what he has to say. Look through it. Hear him. Hear him. Those words are so beautiful. He loves you so much. Join with me. Let's worship together. Let's stand together as, as Nathan leads us. Father, I, I'm just so thankful that you stand firm with us. But more importantly for me right now is that you stand with me, that your presence is always so gentle, so sweet, so perfect. I thank you, Lord, for your corrections. I thank you, Lord, for the moments when you speak softly and tenderly. And I thank you, Lord, that always, always your Holy Spirit is there and it's always real. And you're always, always right there with us. Lord, help us to seek, not just to say, well, yeah, I know his presence, but Lord, help us to seek that manifest presence, that, that place where people are aware of you because you're coming through us to them. We love you, Lord. We praise you for what you're doing. Guide us to this week. Take over. Have your way. This is your church. We are your people. And we just praise you. We worship you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Lord bless you.